Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson. Welcome to The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo, the crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me each week on The Crime Couch for a rollicking, intriguing tale. It'll be one heck of a journey. Former Detective Senior Constable Kay Murphy led the way for women in the job. She was the first single mum and the first and youngest female in the CIB. Kay's also worked in the toughest crime squads, the breakers, the armed robbery, the consorting and homicide squads. I'm sitting with Kay on the crime couch, northwest of Melbourne in regional Victoria. Hi Kay, thanks very much for sitting on the crime couch with me today. My pleasure, Rochelle. Tell me, Kay, why did you initially become a cop? Well, at 19 and one week, I became a single mother of a son and uh, I used to help the police out in Bensdale when a mother brought a girl in who was pregnant, a single girl. And after three or four times, the old senior Connie said to me, why don't you get paid for this by joining the job? So I thought about it and uh, had a discussion with my mum, who wasn't at all enamoured about it, but my grandmother gave me lots of support. So tell me, you wanted to apply and you did apply. How difficult was it um, to join as a single mum in those days? Well, I don't think Victoria Police, or for that matter any other police force, certainly in Australasia, had been confronted with that issue. the person that I had the most problem with was the then inspector, female, in charge of all police women in Victoria. She gave me a hard time about it, told me I was morally unacceptable and the, and the public would not accept a single mother in the job. But I had very good support from the then Acting Chief Commissioner, Reg Jackson. That's right. You had a lot of support from him. In fact, I think reading about your story, he was actually on your board and he actually gave you a great amount of support, didn't he? He did. When the um, policewoman inspector said that I was unacceptable and the um, local community or the community wouldn't accept it, he said, well, I saw a uh, show on the ABC recently about single mothers and how difficult it is for them and I'm prepared to give her a go. She's got good uh, references from the police in Bensdale and I'm prepared to give her a go. And that he did. You joined uh, Victoria Police in January 1972. Now, believe it or not, as you would know, in your first two days you were giving evidence in court. Now, what happened? Uh, what happened? Why, why did you have to do that, Kay? Well, actually, it goes back to the very first day I was in the depot, um, the 6th of September. 1971, which was the day before my 21st birthday. Girls had to be 21 to join the job and I was an observer that day. When I went back to my car that night in East Melbourne, I couldn't find it. Ultimately, I ended up at Russell Street um, and they told me, yes, we've been waiting for you to turn up about your car. Uh, And the next day, 
they rang me or rang the depot and, and said I was required in court because the car had been used that night in an armed robbery in, in um, Parkville. So I had to go and I spent my 21st birthday sitting in Melbourne Magistrates Court and giving evidence of the ownership of the car. You joined the Russell Street Policewoman's Office. Um, how were women perceived in the job then? Um, I didn't really have any major issues with the men. I certainly had some issues with the then inspector again. She was in charge of the policewomen at Russell Street and she set out to give, make my life difficult, which she did. Um, I was at Russell Street for about a year and she called me into her office and said she was going to send me to Portland. I looked at her and said, that's one end of Victoria and my son will be in the other end. And she said, well, that's the way it is. If you don't like it, you can resign. So I rang my mum. My mum said, because my son was living in Bensdale with my parents on the farm, I rang my mum and she said, you will not resign. We'll work this out. So I went to Portland. I was down there for about three months. And I was lucky then to get the Russell Street CIB. How did you cope with Portland? Because you also you were working with a senior sergeant then who wanted you to, quote, work in the station and not as a lone policewoman. How did you deal with that, Kay? Um, I was pretty happy about that. The uh, senior sergeant then was Len Wright, and Len had been a sergeant at the breaking squad, and um, he could see that I was what you might class as a bit of a a tough nut and a knockabout. So he said, don't worry about the police women's work. We don't really have that much of it here. Come and work on the station with us, which is what I did. I had a C-class licence to drive a van, which was highly unusual in those days. Um, and so I did. I worked the van and he said, we'll get you out of here, out of here as quickly as we can and back to Melbourne. He realised that I was really fretting for my son who was in Bensdale. So that's what you did. You worked in Portland and then at 23 you worked at Russell Street CI. You were the youngest and the first woman in the CIB. Did you feel at that stage that you were leading the way for women in the job or, you know, how did you view what you were doing? Because you definitely paved the way, didn't you? Well, I wasn't the first... Um, female in the CIB. Um, there were a few others around, but not many. But I certainly was the youngest. And I've got to say, Rochelle, um, I was always up for the fight. And I say that not literally, but I was always up for the fight. I had a very, very tough upbringing with my dad, um, who I love very much. And um, I'm sure, quite sure he played a major role in the person that I became and am today. But I, I didn't see myself as a huge leader. I guess in those days you just got in and did what you had to do. I didn't ask for anything in particular. I didn't ask for any concessions. I just did what I had to do alongside of my male colleagues. So how were you treated though? Were you, do you think you were treated differently or did you make sure that you weren't? I don't think that I was treated differently um, at really. And I think that's because I never took a backward step. I didn't ask, as I said, for any concessions. I didn't say I can't. It would be I can and I will and I did. But I did never ask for um, any concessions in any way, shape or form. 
Okay, so you go from driving the van around um, Portland and then you, you basically went and you were working back at the Russell Street CIB. At that stage, you were involved with the assault of a Hells Angels girlfriend. What happened, Kay? I was working one afternoon shift and I got a, we got a call that um, there was a girl at the Royal Melbourne Hospital who had quite significant injuries, but she wouldn't talk. She wouldn't even tell them her name. So they rang Russell Street and I went up there. I was asked to go up there, which I did. Um, she did have some significant injuries and for some quite some time that night she wasn't interested in talking. But I was determined that I was going to find out who she was, but more importantly what had happened to her. So I stayed with her for some time, talked to her, um, got her a drink, did whatever had to be done, and then eventually she opened up and told me that she was the girlfriend or the partner of the then leader of the Hells Angels and that um, she had a tattoo which she showed me on her buddy saying she was a property of and she had decided that she didn't want to be in a threesome relationship with him any longer so she had told him she was going to move on to somebody else. He had requested or told her to um, get rid of the tattoo which she had been and tried to do, but it was so painful, she told me, and then he wasn't satisfied that she had removed it all sufficiently, and he found out that from when she was passed around from one bikey to another, and uh, so he got her out of bed one morning and gave her a terrible flogging. He then tried to use a small child's sewing machine, which he hooked up with cords, with ink going through it and had tried to remove it in himself. So as a result of that and being belted um, with a walking stick and some other in implements, she then fainted and ended up at Royal Melbourne Hospital. As a result of that and, and the work that you did um, at that stage, is that one of the reasons that you were asked to be um, a member of the Breakers squad? Yes, that's exactly what happened, Michelle. Um, I investigated the crime. She told me it was the Hells Angels. As a result of some things I did, I interrupted an um, operation that was going on by the breaking squad uh, into the Hells Angels. So um, I was in court a couple of days later over another matter and I got a call that I had to go to the um, detective inspector's office, which I did, and he asked me about some things that I'd done as a result of the investigation I was doing into this um, uh, assaults. I denied them and he told me, don't deny them, we've got, we've got it all. So um, I told him, yes, that's what I did. And as a result of that, they said, we like your work. Would you come and work with the breaking squad? I had no idea about the breaking squad, but I quick smart learnt once I went there and it's probably one of the best times of my life. To people that are listening to this that don't understand what the breakers did, can you explain, apart from the fact that you joined a squad full of very tough, blokey men, what crimes did you investigate, Kay? And how did you deal with the machismo which must have existed in that squad? Yeah, you're right. They were 
the last bastion with the armed robbery and the uh, armed robbery squad and the consorters, but I absolutely loved every minute of it. I had no fear. I was like a young child, actually, no fear. The breaking squad used to investigate um, safes that were blown open by Jellic Knight or they were cut open by some of the best, and I learned quite a bit in those days about that sort of thing. Also did big burglaries. In those days, in the 70s, you didn't really have a major issue with um, drugs, but we certainly had a major issue with uh, huge burglaries. It could be clothing. It could be um, Jockey Smith did one where he stole all these antique phones. Um, that sort of thing we were doing. And we were going all over the state to um, do it, to investigate the crime. Um, but I loved every minute of it, loved every minute of it, minute of it. I didn't really have a major issue at all with the men. There was the odd occasion, but I'd been brought up in a way by my father that the only person that would look after me would be me. So if I felt someone was out of line, and that would be rare, but there were a couple of incidents, um, I would speak to the person myself and say, not on. You certainly set the tone and you were also seconded to work on the great bookie robbery, weren't you? Now, tell us a little bit about that. What did you investigate there, Kay? Well, everybody, um, if they don't know about it, they should read up about the great bookie robbery. Um, it was a huge job in those days and even today it would be a lot of work was put in by the crims as to how they were going to um, have that come off and and they did it to the T. I was seconded onto a task force to work on it and we charged a man and woman husband and wife who used to have a lot of dry cleaning shops out in the eastern suburbs and we charged them um I found $32,000 in the top of a wardrobe. In those days, that was a lot of money. Of course, they didn't talk to us. Um, and eventually it didn't go on because to uh, be able to prove money is very difficult, still is. But I had a great time and I worked with some great men uh, involved in the bookie robbery. Of course, we all know who did it. Um, but charging those people, and some of them are dead now, um, through old age or because they were shot dead by police. You were also on duty, Kay, when an off-duty officer was shot during an armed robbery in Clifton Hill. Um, could you just briefly give us an idea what that was like when that member was shot? I was working that day and I got seconded or asked to go to the St Vincent's Hospital and be with his wife until family could arrive. It's probably one of the saddest days of my life at that time, although I've got to say that he survived, Michael. But to go with his wife and have her say goodbye to him, which is what the doctors had asked her to do, was for a very young policewoman um, quite confronting. And I've never forgotten it and never will. And I've spoken to Michael and his wife about it since then about that day. Of course, he doesn't remember anything about it, and I'm not sure she does either, but I certainly remember every detail of that. After that uh, day, we then 
um, I got seconded to work with the Homicide Squad and all the squads went out looking for information and the criminals that had committed this heinous crime. It was a really sad day, but I'm pleased to say that at the end of it all, after a few weeks, we got them and they all went to jail for it. Incredibly satisfying and what a day that would have shaken you up because you knew Michael Pratt. Um, It did shake me up. I think the thing that came home to me at that time was just how vulnerable you can be and considering that I had a young child, he was three and a half, um, four years of age, I was a single mum, although he was being cared for by my parents, he was still my son and I realised at that time how vulnerable I, I was. But I have to say, Rochelle, it didn't cause me to take one step back. If anything, it made me more resilient and more determined to do my job to the best of my ability and make sure that if I could, I would get the baddies. You're an extraordinary woman, Kay, an extraordinary police person. Um, Look, thank you very much for sitting with me and and I believe you're going to return next week and we'll speak to you again on the crime couch. So thank you very much for taking the time to sit with me today. My pleasure, Rochelle, anytime. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson and I look forward to your company next time on the crime couch.